Praise God. God's good, isn't he? Uh, tonight, I've, I've kind of called this our uh, an after Easter message, and you'll get it as we go go through it, why I've called it that. Um, the, um, the following is something we may have heard when we were kids uh, from our parents or a school teacher or some other adult. You ever hear somebody tell you that when you were a kid? Shame on you. Shame on you. Now, when we heard that, I don't know about you, but when I heard that as a kid, um, I probably deserved it. Uh, pro- from maybe I kicked the dog or, or maybe I lassoed a, a lamp. Actually, I didn't lasso a lamp. I was thinking about it. I, I lassoed a, my mom had this statue, kind of a head thing of Nef- Nefertari, Nefertari, Nef- you know, the Egypt- Egyptian thing. And uh, just the head of her, you know, the weird hat thing. And, and it just was a perfect thing to lasso. And I got it and broke it. And from then it was black, you know, uh, black pla- uh, paint over white plaster. And so Nefertiti always had kind of like a, a jagged white necklace from where it got glued back together. So shame on you, you know. And so as a kid, we probably heard that spoke to anybody besides me ever hear that? Huh. Few of us anyway. Well, the, the, the problem with shame is it isn't something that we just grow out of necessarily in adulthood. If anything, it can intensify. And listen. As born-again believers in Jesus Christ, we have a tremendous gift that has been given us, and that is forgiveness. So the title of this message I've stolen from a series Pastor Howard uh, preached years ago. The message is mine. The title is his, Shame Off You. Because we have been forgiven, we don't have to carry the shame of our faults our failures, or our sins. We have been forgiven. So I want you to tell yourself this, shame off you. That was fairly weak. I want you to say it with some enthusiasm tonight, shame off you. Very good. Isaiah Isaiah chapter 61 and verse 1 and verse 7, these are, are words that were spoken prophetically of what Jesus was going to do. Jesus uh, used the first verse here, actually, when he first started his ministry. Verse 7 talks about something that he was going to do, though, and it says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Verse 7, Instead of your shame, you shall have double honor. Instead of confusion, they shall rejoice in their portion. For therefore, in their land, they shall possess double. Everlasting joy shall be theirs. One of the best things that Jesus did for us when we got saved is to remove our shame. 
If you have not been born again and have never given your life to Christ, uh, you're going to have the opportunity to tonight after this service uh, and see one of the best gifts that we could receive, one of the best things that Jesus did for us or does for us when we get saved is remove our shame. Now, when I say that, I also understand that there are many believers who still may wrestle and carry the shame from things they've done in their past. And listen, that's unfortunate because Jesus paid too great a price for us to walk in shame. Now, I was considering this, and I, I, I know I still I regret some of the things that I have done in my life. Uh, before I got saved, I wasn't always a nice guy. I know that's really uh, incredible for some of you to believe that I haven't always been just this super nice guy. I did in my past. I've done things and I've said things that I'm not proud of. Uh, I'll also be honest and say since I got saved, uh, there have been some things that I have said and done that I'm not necessarily proud of. Now, while I regret stuff that I used to do, I do thank God tonight that I have been released from the overwhelming sense of shame from those things because of what Jesus did. See, we need to know, and I just, uh, our sins have been forgiven. Can you say, I believe that? And with that understanding should come a release from the shame associated with those sins. We have been forgiven. Thank God He forgave us. He cleansed us from all sin, the Bible says. And because of that, we can receive a release from the shame associated with those sins. This next verse, as I read this, as I put this in our, our, the notes for tonight, and as I went over these notes several times before coming into the service tonight, this verse just hit me, the first one especially. Romans 10 verse 11 says, talking about us and believing in Jesus, whosoever believes on him shall not be put to shame. Thank God. We need to hear that again. If we believe on him, we will not be put to shame. Somebody say, thank God. Uh, Isaiah 54 and verse 4 says, Do not fear, for you will not be ashamed, neither be disgraced, for you will not be put to shame, for you will forget the shame of your youth. That says it pretty good, doesn't it? He says, you'll not be ashamed, you'll not be put to shame, you'll forget the shame of your, of your youth. That is only possible through Jesus Christ. Now, my first point, uh, I want to just go ahead and put up here, because it is a shame to bear shame when Jesus paid the price for our freedom. And I want to say that again, it is a shame to bear shame when Jesus paid the price for our forgiveness. Shamefulness leads to several things. First of all, shamefulness leads to guilt. Now, there's a difference between having the memory of something that we are ashamed of and then carrying shame. And I'll, I'll explain what I mean by that. There are things that I remember from my youth 
uh, that I feel bad about now, that I, you know, I, I uh, stuff from the past <clears throat> I'm not proud of. I don't have to go into all of them, do I? Thank you. I know some of you are probably thinking, please don't. And there are probably a, a few of you that are thinking, sure, go ahead, waltz it all out there. All of us have memories from the past, and those memories may trigger regret, the feeling that I wish I hadn't done that. We will probably never be able to forget some of the things we did in the past. We don't have the power to will ourselves to forget those kind of things. Our minds are, are like computer hard drives that uh, when certain we do certain things, those things are downloaded into our memory, and it may be impossible to delete the memory. Thank God I don't remember everything from my past, uh, thankfully. And we can forget, and that's one of the benefits of age. Amen. Uh, you, you lose track on some of that stuff. Hallelujah. Some of that stuff you want to forget. But, but there are other things, and there are things that may be with us in our memory throughout all of our life of, of what we did. Now, that being said, I want to repeat again what I said at the beginning of this message, and that is, through Jesus Christ, we have been given a wonderful gift, and that gift is forgiveness. If we carry shame and guilt, we are paying a price for our sin that Jesus already paid. And listen, shame and guilt, they they require, they they, uh, demand a heavy price, don't they? I was thinking of this shame and shame and guilt. They they're kind of like the uh, mafia loan sharks from uh, TV shows or movies that we've watched. You know, somebody uh, uh, owes a debt, <clears throat> they can't pay it, and then you get the the uh, the guy that comes and visits. You know, breaks bones or or uh, blackens an eye or or knocks out a kneecap or something like that. Those those. Uh, uh, guys that the loan sharks send after you to, to collect the debt. Listen, shame and guilt demand a heavy price. And, and tonight, uh, there are too many believers that are getting beat up by shame and guilt when the debt has already been paid. Now, I want you to tell yourself again, shame off you. Shamefulness leads to guilt. Secondly, uh, uh, shamefulness leads to despair. And, and that can be just, why even try? If we uh, live in shame uh, throughout our life, then we can just get discouraged and wonder, you know, if I feel guilty and ashamed all the time anyway, I may as well just go ahead and, and live that way and do it. Why even try? And listen to me, that is the devil's goal in making us feel shame is to wear us out, make us feel despair, like what's the use? And I'm going to get to what's the use in just a little bit, so hang with me. Shamefulness then leads to inferiority. Some people look at 
other believers who who seem to have victory and they or live with more of a sense of victory and they look at them and say you know I wish I had what they had they always seem to or most of the time anyway seem to be pretty much on top of things they seem to live live in victory uh they seem to uh have it kind of together in the christian life i wish i had what they've got now listen to me cuz this is so important If we see somebody who is living a victorious Christian life, it isn't because they are better than anybody else. It is simply because they have believed the truth about what Jesus has done for them, and the truth has set them free. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7 says, For who makes you differ from one another? What do you have that you did not receive? Uh, Now, if you did indeed receive it, uh, why do you boast uh, as if you had not received it? See, none of us here need to feel inferior to another believer. We have uh, if, if we everything that we get in the Christian life we we receive because it's a gift from Jesus, right? Salvation is a free gift from God, and everything that we receive in the Christian life is something we receive. If we are doing good in our Christian life, we can't brag about it because we received it. Isn't that right? We can't, and I'm telling you, I've, I've met some uh, Christians over the years that kind of patted themselves on the back about how good they're doing, looked down at other believers and Oh, man, I just can't believe them. Oh, God. Scornfully looking at at other Christians that may be wrestling or struggling. And I tell you, you mark it down. The Bible says in in, in the uh, New Testament, take heed he who thinks he stands lest you fall. If we are, are priding ourselves because of how well we're doing in the Christian life, there's, uh, uh, we, we, we don't have any room to boast because it was something we received. We believed and we received. And so the truth is, if we are struggling in an area of our life, we need to simply come to grips with the reality of what has been given us through Jesus Christ and, and practice better believing. None of us are inferior to others. Somebody say, I believe that. Then shame leads to fear. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, the first consequence was shame and fear. They were ashamed because for the first time they realized they were naked. Now that's amazing. If you think about it, and I began to think about this, they didn't get that they were naked before because they, they had perfect innocence. And so they were just like they were, you know? Now I begin, my, my mind travels weird places sometimes. And <laughs> I was thinking about that. If, if they had not sinned in the garden and they had retained their innocence and then the whole human race had followed their example and had not sinned and everybody had retained that innocence, then we 
Well, you can imagine what the results might be. But it's just something that isn't real, and so therefore we're all wearing clothes tonight, right? And that's a good thing, isn't it? Somebody say clothes are a good thing. (laughs) You're pretty enthusiastic about that one. That's right. Genesis chapter 3, verse 7 through 11 tells the story. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and Eve hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And then he said, God said, Who told you you were naked? (laughs) Isn't that great? Who told you? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? Now listen, in this whole scenario, one of the most tragic consequences of Adam and Eve's sins is that they became afraid of God. This is really important for us to understand. See, they, they, had, never, they had never before experienced that. They had never before experienced uh, that uh, 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 being afraid of God or intimidated by God. They had perfect fellowship with Him. God would come, as He did here in this portion of Scripture, in the cool of the day, and they would walk and talk and commune. They, had, they, were, they were good friends with God. They were actually a part of the family of God. But in a moment of time when they sinned, everything changed. And they became self-conscious, ashamed, afraid. And when God came into the garden, uh, they hid. Now, this is where the first animal sacrifice was sacrificed, and it was by God himself. The first blood shed in the garden was by God's own hand. And it was a sacrifice so that he could make skins covering for Adam and Eve, and the reason God did that is because He didn't want them to feel uncomfortable in His presence, so He covered them so that they would be able to feel that they could... See, God is so into relationship that He covered them so they could feel that they could come into God's presence without that sense of shame of their nakedness and being uncovered. And God wanted them to be able to have relationship with each other, a shameless relationship with each other. And so He gave them a covering for a relationship purpose. And so, listen, God is so into relationship. He wants us to be able to relate to Him and to each other, and this is why he desires so much for us to be free from shame. We should not have to live as believers in Jesus Christ with shame, guilt, despair, inferiority, or fear. Jesus has forgiven us. So tell yourself again tonight, shame off you. We're meant to live shame-free lives. 
The sacrifice or covering that God made for Adam and Eve pointed to the future sacrifices in the Old Testament. God provided a way in the Old Testament for His people's sin to be covered so that they would feel they could come before Him, and it was called the blood of atonement. Uh, Well, you heard me read that anyway. Leviticus 17 verse 11 says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. When animal sacrifices were made in the Old Testament, it atoned for sins. The, the, the most accurate definition of that word atone means literally to cover. It means to cover over. The blood sacrifice would cover their shame for sin so they could feel they could come before God. And remember, God is all about relationship. This is impo- important, and I'm going to uh, God helping me hammer this home in the, in the very last bit that I talk about tonight. God is so into relationship. Uh, these sacrifices that were made in the Old Testament were imperfect because they had to be made year after year after year. There was no permanent solution for sin and shame. But this is where I start to get excited. ha, <laughs> Somebody said, start to. Yeah, this is where, this is where my <coughs> internal engine begins to rev up because this is the reason Jesus came to provide a permanent solution for sin and shame. Now, I don't often like to read very long, large portions of Scripture because it's been my experience in preaching after decades that when you do, <clears throat> lots of times, people kind of just blitz out on you. They look at the screen or they look at the Bible that they carry with them and they go in through it and they kind of you know, after. But <laughs> having said that, I do have a little, about 10 verses and I thought about, well, I could knock out this verse and that verse. But, you know, this is really important. So I'm going to just read all ten of them. And I want you to read it with me, not out loud, but to yourself. <clears throat> As I read Hebrews 10, verse 1 through 10, it's talking about Jesus' sacrifice for us, how much better it is. For the law, having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things, can never with these same sacrifices, which they offer continually year by year, make those who approach perfect. This is drawing a comparison between the Old Testament and New Testament. For then would they not have ceased to be offered, for the worshipers, once purified, would have had no more consciousness of sins. But in those sacrifices there is a reminder of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. 
Therefore, and this is talking about Jesus, when he came into the world, he said, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. Then I said, Jesus talking, behold, I have come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do your will, O God. Previously saying, sacrifice and offering, burnt offerings and offerings for sin you did not desire nor had pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. Then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first that he may establish the second. And verse 10 says, By that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. That's good news. That's what the gospel is. That's good news. We have been sanctified, set apart to go for God through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. If I were to paraphrase or just uh, uh, break it down, uh, what verses 1 through 10 is talking about, it would be shame off you. <laughs> Say it with me again. Shame off you. This last Weekend, we celebrated Easter weekend. This is what Easter is all about. It, is, it wasn't a temporary covering. When Jesus died on the cross, it wasn't a temporary covering like the old, like Adam and Eve in the garden with the skins that covered them. It wasn't like the Old Testament sacrifices that was a temporary covering uh, for sins. But Jesus' body offered up, his blood that was shed was a co- not only a covering, but a complete cleansing for our sins uh, through his blood. He allowed himself to be sacrificed for your sins and for my sins. And because of that, we say, thank you, Jesus. Because of his sacrifice for us, we've been covered. Uh, Tell yourself, I'm covered by the blood of Jesus. But we are not only covered, we are cleansed by that sin and free from the shame of sin. We should be free from the shame of sin. Now listen, I'm talking about the most embarrassing, most shameful junk that we might still have in that memory in our mind uh, that we don't want anybody to know about, and it's none of their business. Thank God those things that we are ashamed of from our past life, uh, those things that we don't talk about in a testimony service, and probably never should. (laughs) Amen. Those things we don't want, folks, to know about. He has covered them through his blood. He has paid the price. And when we ask Jesus to come into our hearts and forgive us from our sins, it's as if he says to all of us, shame off you. Psalm 71 and verse 1 says, In you, O Lord, I put my trust. Let me never be put to shame. If we will simply put our trust in him, we will never be put to shame. He who believes in him, in the New Testament, it says, we read earlier, will never be put to shame. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The benefits of being shameless are a sense 
of confidence. And when I talk about confidence, I'm not talking about a self-confidence or a boastful confidence where we're confidence in ourselves, but a confidence that comes through the price that he paid for us. It is the exact opposite of inferiority. We are forgiven and therefore should be shameless, not filled with shame. Uh, None of us ever need to feel like we have to hang our heads down in front of each other because we have been forgiven and we can be confident. And I'm not talking about arrogance, but I'm talking about a confidence in what Jesus did for us to cleanse us from sin and from shame. And somebody said, that's right. Romans chapter 5, verse 17 and 18 says, For if by one man's offense death, and this is bringing a comparison between Adam's sin and the resulting impact on the human race and Jesus' sinless life and the price that he paid and the resulting impact on the human race that receives him. So he says, if by one man's offense death reign through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as the one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even so through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. You see, because of Adam's sin, death ruled and reigned over all of mankind, uh, 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 spiritual death and physical death. But he's talking about uh, Jesus coming and fulfilling the requirements of God by that perfect sacrifice. And because of that perfect sacrifice, uh, he has given us the ability to reign in life uh, free from the sin and shame that cast us down. One of the benefits of our freedom is confidence or what the Bible calls reigning in life. Reigning in life. We're meant to reign in life. Now, sometimes Christians, we can, we can so over-spiritualize things that we don't even get the point of what they mean. And I'll, I'll tell you what I mean by that. We talk about reigning, ah, reigning in life. I'm, a, I'm more than a conqueror. Uh, I'm one of the king's kids. I'm, woo, man, I'm, a, I'm reigning in life. And we may not even know what we're reigning over. And so the main thing, one thing I just want to touch on just briefly that we are to reign over is sin. Somebody say Sin. The first consequence of sin in the garden was a feeling of shame. And we don't have to live with sin dominating our lives and the shame that follows. Romans 6 verse 14 says, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. When we know who we are and what we have, it will change how we live. 
We don't have to live under the rule of sin or under the bondage of sin for all of our life. We don't have to live bound by addiction. We don't have to live bound by lust. We don't have to live our lives bound by greed or covetousness or hatred or anger. Now, I know that sometimes Christians may struggle and wrestle in some of these areas, and there may be some here this evening that you're wrestling in some of these things or kind of are things like maybe you've even received Christ, but in your life you think, well, I've got this stuff I'm still dealing with, and it seems like that's just the way I am. It's kind of like the old cartoon, Popeye, I am what I am, and that's just, just all that I am. As Listen, as blood-bought believers in Jesus Christ, he makes us more than what we were. He casts the yam out. You know what I mean? He, he, he moves in, comes into our lives, and gives us a grace and help over those things. And so we need not live our lives filled with bondage because Jesus paid the price, and through that forgiveness, we also receive grace and the power to live for God. Can I tell you something tonight? There is no sin that can stand up against the power of the resurrected Jesus in our lives. There is no bondage. There is no addiction. All throughout this building tonight, we could have a testimony uh, uh, service, uh, and I wouldn't ever do it, but we could say, who, has, who could tell the worst sin that you've ever done and have go through the building and talk about the bondage that was there? there throughout this building, I mean, you're, you're a pretty good-looking group. But there has been in this group, in us tonight, things that have been committed that we would never want voiced, bondages in our lives that we would never want spoken. Now, we may, there may be times where we, in, in, a, in counseling, may need to talk about some things and, and get prayer over to, be, to, to receive freedom, and, and I understand that, but there are things that, that are nobody else's business, and there are, are those of us tonight that have received deliverance from drug addiction, deliverance from perversity. We have received deliverance from anger and hatred and bitterness and all these other things in life, there is no sin that can stand up against the power of the resurrected Jesus Christ in our lives. And we can maintain our sense of shamelessness by living the victory that Jesus has given us. Say, how do do I even do that? We ask him to help us. We ask him to help us in our weakness, in our need. And you know what happens from that? We begin to get victory over things in our life. I, I'll tell you, uh, it was a real surprise to me that I could get victory over some of the stuff I got victory over. I, t- I, I, I did not think I could, I could enjoy life without getting drunk or high before I got saved. Didn't think it was possible. Didn't think I could relate to other people well. I, I, I've told you, some of you have heard me say this, I don't know that I ever went on a date without getting high or drunk or, or at least 
tipsy, you know, because I wanted to be able to relate, you know, be comfortable. I look back at that and I think, how ridiculous. And it is now, it is now some decades later, but it wasn't then because I know the way my mind thought. I was bound. I needed freedom. Jesus set me free. Hallelujah. We can be free. We can live free from addiction, thankfully. And we can be free from the shame that comes from that. Finally, one, la- one just last thing of, the, of confidence that shamelessness brings, and this is no doubt the most important, and that is it gives us confidence towards God. We need to have a confidence toward God. We, we each of us as believers, desperately, see, this is what will make a prayer life revolutionized. This, was what, this is what will cause prayer to become more than just a, a drudgery or a duty. This is what will bring us into a closer understanding of our relationship with God. Is that, that shameless confidence that we can come in before God at any time for anything. He's all about relationship. And that's what the Bible says. Ephesians 3, verse 11 and 12 says, According to the eternal purpose, this is something that God had purposed, accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom, because of Jesus, we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in Him. You see, what brings a lack of confidence is our own shame because of stuff from our past or stuff going on in our life. And the Bible says that because Jesus died, shed His blood, we have forgiveness, we don't have to worry about being ashamed to come before God, even if we're dealing with some issues in our life, we can come boldly before Him because the blood of Jesus provided a covering for us. It has provided cleansing for us so that we can come in before God the Father at any time just uh, to receive help in the things we need help in or just to hang out in His presence and enjoy our relationship with Him. See, what we want and what has been planted in our hearts by God from, from the very beginning is a desire for our heart to be latched and, and intertwined with the heart of God. And see, what we need to realize is we have it through Jesus. We have it through Him. And we need to avail ourselves. Listen, and I am going to, just a couple of more minutes, and I'm going to close. We should never allow. The devil's strategy is to try to rob us of our relationship with God. It has been that way from the very beginning. He was after Adam and Eve. He was jealous of their relationship with God because he had thrown his own away. Lucifer had thrown his own away. And now he was after that relationship that Adam and Eve had with God, that that enjoyment, that fellowship, that freedom to come into his presence. And so he tempted them into sin. And that has been the problem with the human race all the way through is because of sin we thought we could never get before that holy God. But Jesus paid the price. 
Easter is all about us remembering what Jesus did 2,000 years ago when he shed his blood so that we could be cleansed, so that we could be covered, so that we could be forgiven, so that we could know we could come with confidence. And we had access. That word access means free admission. The price has been paid because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And we should never allow Satan to rip us off from that confidence of knowing we can come before him, even if we've got some problems in our life, especially when we've got some problems in our life. The devil tries to lie to, to believers and say, uh, how dare you come before God with this thing going on in your life? How dare we? Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us therefore come to the throne of grace uh, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. When we have a need, that's when we need to come before him. And he'll give us grace and mercy. Why? Because the blood of Jesus Christ, the sacrifice that he paid, gave us the ability to be able to know and Thank God we can, we can grow in that more and more as we just come into God's presence and recognize we are accepted because of the blood. We have been covered because of the blood. We have been cleansed because of the blood of Jesus Christ. We need not walk in shame, live in shame. We can be shameless because his blood has cleansed us. When Jesus died on the cross, the veil of the temple was ripped from the top to the bottom. That was the veil uh, uh, separated the place where more people could kind of get around and and the, the, the most holy of the holy of holies where the, the high priest, only him, could come one day and, and meet with God there. And when Jesus died on the cross, he, God, uh, it's like an invisible hand came down from heaven, two hands, and ripped that veil of the temple from the top to the bottom, opening up the way for you and for me to be able to come in the very holiest place of God so that we could know his relationship, know his forgiveness, know his help, find mercy and grace to help in the time of need. We need to know what we got through Jesus tonight. There's an old hymn, and I just, this came to my mind tonight as I was praying before the service, an old hymn. It says, there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. Oh, I'm so thankful for his forgiveness, aren't you? I am so grateful that we as God's people don't have to live lives shamed. Not shame on us, shame off us because of the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And somebody said, I believe it. Praise God. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes tonight. Shame's off us because of his blood. Tonight, if you're here and you've never given your life to Christ or you've been away from him or they're just junk on your life and you want cleansing from sin across this building, no one looking around, just slip your hand up and say, I'd like to be included in this prayer for forgiveness. Amen. God bless you. Bless you. Bless you. God bless you. 
Thank you, Jesus. We're going to pray, and we're going to pray a prayer of forgiveness like we do. But as we do, there are believers across this building. You have accepted Christ as your Savior. You have probably, there are those here who have been living for God for a, a period of time, maybe a long period of time, and maybe there is something or some things that has seemed to just been attached to your life, and maybe you have wondered, you know, I wonder if this is just the way I am, and that, you know, I, I don't understand it, but maybe uh, this is just the way it's going to be. And I want to declare to you the gospel, the good news. There is no sin. There is no habit. There is no addiction. There is no uh, bitterness uh, or hatred or whatever else it may be that has the power to withstand the resurrected life of Jesus Christ inside of us. And I want you to just dare to believe that tonight. Instead of daring to believe, because see, Satan's lie and his attempt is to try to rob us of our relationship with God. And so because, he'll, because of that, he'll try to use those things to keep us from coming before God. Don't let anything keep you from coming before the presence of God. Jesus has paid the price. He has made the covering. He has provided cleansing so that we can come in before God to receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Let's stand tonight. We're going to pray together. And shame is going to fall off of folks tonight. Shame off of us because of the blood. Let's pray together. Just bow your heads. Jesus, thank you for that price you paid for my sin. I receive your forgiveness. I ask you into my heart, into my life. I receive your covering. I receive your cleansing. I thank you for removing my shame. Thank you, Jesus, for breaking the bondage of sin in my life. I need not live my life with addiction or lust or hatred or anger, or greed, or covetousness, or any other sin that would attempt to bind me. You provided freedom through your blood. And I declare, sin shall not have dominion over me by the blood of Jesus Christ. Thank you for that, Jesus, in your name, amen.